welcome to Dragon Bite, the paediatric podcast made in Wales, aimed at anyone interested in child health. I'm Stacey Harris, one of the founders of Dragon Bites. Today we're joined by Anne Rag Saxena, a paediatric neurologist from the University Hospital of Wales, who's going to talk about epilepsy. Over to Asim. I'm Asim Javed, I'm one of the presenters for Dragon Bites, and I've been joined today by one of our fantastic neurology consultants here at the University Hospital of Wales, uh, Dr. Anurag Saxena. Um, hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Asim. Thank you for inviting me to talk about things related to neurology. Is that what we're doing? That's the general idea, yeah. Okay. I was right. hoping you'd be able to ta- talk a bit about epilepsy. It's right. one of the things trainees struggle with a lot both in practice and in the exams. Right. Um, so I thought we'd start today, if it's okay with you, just by outlining the basics, then maybe yep. working from there in the future. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's do that. So the most basic of basic questions, uh, what is epilepsy? Ah, so this is a question which uh, a lot of people struggle, and I don't think we have yet defined it. You can define it in various ways. I think... Um, Let's start with um, the working or acceptable diagnosis, and, and that is uh, uh, usually a tendency to have um, seizures or fits. Um, and the working diagnosis being that you sh- one should have at least two of such episodes which are unprovoked with fever or any other stress like sleep disturbance, etc., etc., so uh, this is to um, signify that, as we understand at this moment, we have everyone of us have a epilepsy threshold, at which uh, once it is breached, we will have a um, seizure. If a person is made to not to go to sleep, as in one of the music festivals, I suppose, yeah, <laughs> are stressed and probably some. Um, consumption of alcohol is taking place along with it and they are likely to have seizures at that point of time but that does not mean that that person has epilepsy because it was a stress-induced seizure. Um, I just like to clarify what a seizure is at this point of time. Seizures in, in, um, uh, are to, in a literal sense is to be seized by something and that's how um, in classical literature people thought that you are seized by an external force um, and and because you lose control on your um, uh, movements. So what we are talking about is a phenomenon in which, uh, you know, a person doesn't have control of, but is also related to a event in the brain. Hmm. Okay. So which you can probably pick up on EEG. So in summary, um, yeah, so an event in the brain that can be picked up leads yeah. to a sort of physical manifestation. manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and an individual has to have two or more of these, but in an unprovoked fashion. Yes. So can't have anything that's led to it. Yes. Okay. So in children, most common kind of seizures you have, see are related to having temperature or febrile seizures. Mm-hmm. So they are not epilepsy. Um, they can have multiple episodes of these, but they are classified as febrile seizures. So, as we're talking about epilepsy um, or seizure-like episodes in children, do you think there are any major differences between the types of epilepsy we may see in childhood compared to what we see in the adult population? Yes and no. When I say yes, um, I think if you think about the classical description of uh, seizures, 
as in a generalized seizure or a focal or um, partial seizures they all have similar correlative seizure in in adults also there are some um, kind of seizures or epilepsy which are um, genetic in nature and present just in childhood and few of them by name would be Dravet syndrome or Lenaus-Gastaut syndrome I mean I think it's probably a huge topic a yeah. subtopic on its own isn't it all these yeah, yeah. Um, epilepsy syndromes perhaps we can come back to that at some future time so a, a take home message is that I would say the epilepsy is uh, um, what you see is a symptom of a brain activity and it depends on where and how the activity affects the brain that you get a, a partial seizure affecting one side or a generalized seizure affecting both sides or you have an absence seizure mm. okay it affects um, across the ages it's just few of the genetic epilepsies are much more common in children than adults okay um uh, can we talk a little bit more about you know what the underlying cause is in terms of this electrical activity or is this too complex an issue it's not complex it's just not very well understood so um i would just say as i explained to my patients that um brain is a huge network of electrical signals and the way various parts of brain or neurons talk to each other is by electric um signals um, which pass from one neuron to the other and for some reason uh, children, um, people or individuals with epilepsy have a short circuit and um, the manifestation of these abnormal um, electric currents is that you have a seizure so how common is epilepsy um so i think the estimate is around 3% of population mm. uh, will have epilepsy at some point of time in their life because it's such a varied presentation in which some people will have one or two seizures and not have any seizures thereafter some people grow out of epilepsy especially children more likely than adults whereas some will always have recurrent seizures it is difficult to 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 say for sure what is the exact incidence or prevalence of epilepsy but i think 3% is probably an accepted figure and we i mean given that it's probably um 3% let's say of the population that have it and they're not all having seizures all the time we see an awful lot of seizure like activity um when you know on the wards and in our children's admissions unit so uh, presumably there are a lot of mimics and uh, things that can look externally like they might be epilepsy but aren't really so is it all right to have a chat with you about what these might other diagnoses might actually be So in order to delineate what is a mimic and what is epilepsy you probably need to have some basic knowledge about how to recognize leptic uh, event in a child mm. you should all attend BPNA PET1 courses to, to do that um however i think um you are right that uh, you need to know a lot of uh, events or phenomena which are normal in children and, mm. and they're not related to epilepsy unfortunately we do not have a biomarker which will tell you um, that this event is epileptic and this is not and it's just a clinical evaluation which will help you in these situations and that is where why epilepsy still remains a a diagnostic challenge 
which is unlikely to be replaced by AI in the future. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, in the near future, there's no easy way out of the conundrum. We have to work on our clinic. There is judgment. no easy way, and there will always be a job of a person who works in epilepsy. <laughs> <laughs> Another plug there, sneaking <laughs> in some <laughs> pediatric neurology plugs. <laughs> right, so yeah, is it okay to talk about some of these, yes. Um, yes. these other possible diagnoses? Then? Yeah, so... Um, so there's a huge list of uh, epilepsy mimics, which you can um, check online. There are publications and all those things. Briefly, we can look at some of them. Um, and it is helpful to look at these from a age-wise distribution uh, or time-wise distribution as to what exactly, where exactly this uh, event happened uh, and the time of day. So what I'm trying to say is that an extensive and a good history taken to the event leading on to the actual episode is really important. Um, it's not only the event which is there. I'm sure a lot of us would have been watching rugby and there are lots of uh, videos of rugby player uh, concussed on the field um, because their head got, gets knocked and then they have a few twitches. Now that's not epilepsy, that's not a seizure. This is a phenomena which a lot of uh, people do have in the context of concussion and acute um, brain injury that they have some movements which uh, um, may or may not be seizures at all. To be formal, I think one of the common things are syncope. Um, then second for cardiac causes, which um, thankfully are not that common, but we always think about even in pediatrics is a long QT syndrome. Um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, vascular causes such as uh, migraines, um, transit ischemic um, attacks, strokes, then metabolic causes like hypoglycemia or a movement disorder which can be confused as a seizure such as uh, dystonia or dyskinesia. Then you do have a non-epileptic attack disorder which are thought to be psychogenic in origin which especially in teenage uh, population is quite common. However, one has to be really careful about making that diagnosis and it is usually a combination of history, context, as well as review of the episodes itself. From the review of the episode itself, um, one of the biggest advancement we had in the last few years is an iPhone. Right, yeah. I think. And that was invented just for pediatric neurologists. <laughs> um, because these smartphones, you can actually review the episode. And one of the first things we always ask the parents or the carers is to record the event. And then we can review it at a later date. So I think it is really important to have factual uh, review of the episode itself to make that um, diagnosis but uh, the context of the event such as what was happening in few days before mm. what is happening to the child itself is it related to something which is happening in their life such as life stresses of change of school GCSEs family breakups etc are also important what were they doing at that point are they unwell were they well they were they standing for a long time in the school assembly, mm. etc. When they did have this event, were they standing up, sitting down? Were they in PE session? 
all these will lead you to a eventual diagnosis mm. so a proper history of the event is important as well as we need to know what were the conditions leading on to this that's very helpful thank you it's interesting uh, you talking about the iphone there because often parents even when we ask them to they often forget yep. but what i've been finding in the children's admissions unit is a really cheeky friend or passerby will record the event yep. more so you do have to understand that most of the time if you look and talk to the parents um they do feel that the child is going to die so obviously they're not going to flip out their phones and start recording the event but you will be surprised how many actually do so i do understand that you know um parents are mortified when they see their children having these episodes i will just say two things to you so first of all the child is in front of you if the child is not fitting and it's a paroxysmal event it has passed okay so you can reassure them that most of these seizures are brief uh, vast majority of these seizures are less than 5 minutes mm. okay which is not going to cause them any long term effect um on their health or on their development it is really important for someone to actually review the event you have to enable the parents to be able to take that recording because if for example this this child comes in for the first episode you're not going to suddenly make a diagnosis because it's a process rather than just a um based on one attendance in any so you will reassure them you will give them these instructions what happens how do you do some first aid at that point of time and i think part of that should also be could you please take a video record hmm. for when they get reviewed again remember you need two episodes to make a diagnosis of epilepsy so in first episode they won't yeah exactly as i said you know there is no biomarker hmm. for um, seizures or epilepsy hmm. and the only way you can make a definite diagnosis is by history hmm. you will probably not find anything wrong with uh, children and examination also okay mm. but histo- history 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 is the most important point in making a diagnosis of epilepsy mm. then people get worried about eegs um mm. now eeg is is great um but an eeg between two events of seizure which is which we call as interictal mm. seizure um, eeg is usually the yield of the, those kind of eeg standard eegs which is you know half an hour or so is not that great mm. because your brain activity might revert back to normal by that time mm. and it's very hard to interpret anything out of it so you are then left with a normal eeg and you think this might be an epilepsy but the eeg is normal so does that mean this not have seizures or mm. epilepsy and the problem is that the eeg might be discordant with the clinical findings mm. all right so the diagnosis is still made on history and your in- interpretation of the event plus minus video evidence sure eeg is done to confirm it is not to make a diagnosis is to confirm a diagnosis mm. okay and it's helpful to make a decision about maybe treatment choices um but not much more right then okay. the scans we say okay so if there is focal uh, onset seizures mm. 
or any manifestation for example when they wake up and they are not moving one of the sides which leads you to believe that this was a focal seizure rather than a generalized seizure uh, then that's an indication of a scan hmm. the question is what kind of scan so um, CTs are quick and dirty scans for um, looking at a bleed a fracture uh, or a big lump hmm. Um, but they are not really good at looking at the brain itself hmm. and sometimes you need an MR but um, depending on where you work it might be that access to MR is limited hmm. and uh, in that case because the, there is a big anxiety over first episode of the seizure you can always do a CT and that might be a pragmatic choice examination wise always look for neurocutaneous stigmata so for example white patches in cases of tuberous sclerosis or vascular anomalies in cases of um, sturge Weber syndrome for example mm. so always look for that um, don't miss them because that's a bedside diagnosis yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, otherwise um, as I said in postural state you can think about um, focal um, sign other than that usually if you look at a child with a episode in a clinic, most common finding is no finding. So, so when these new children present to us, we do tend to do a whole barrage of tests if it's yeah. the first time they're presenting. Um, so presumably they're to rule out some of these yeah. other possible yeah. courses. So if I run through a couple of them with you, I'm sure some of them will be obvious in answer. Yeah, yeah. It'd be useful to hear your thoughts on them. So uh, blood, blood sugar's normally pretty soon on the list, isn't it? So sugars are quite good because um, so hypoglycemic seizures, seizures related to low glucose, they can either be uh, a reason, a cause, or it could be a prolonged seizure and then effect. Mm. Okay, so um, they are quite rare until it's in the context of a type 1 diabetes and, and insulin overdose. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, those in the time when I was training, mm. there were instances of insulin overdose, and these people with hypoglycemic seizures, true hypoglycemic seizures, never recover without rescue glucose. Hmm. Okay, so I know there are <coughs> lots of um, instances in which you have um, paramedics who test the glucose and it's low. Yeah. So I will not, I will have to have a lab glucose which is low before anyone can say that that is the cause of the episode. So it is helpful in the sense that it is something which you always do for any sick child. Mm -hmm. But in the context of epilepsy, again, it's an induced cause of epilepsy when it's not epilepsy, it's a seizure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a seizure, but due to a secondary... The secondary cause, yes. Yeah. But yes, it is helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, we also do um, ECGs. So ECG is quite helpful because um, it you could have episodes which are related to prolonged QT syndrome. It's um, usually quite obvious mm. if you look at a prolonged QT syndrome, um, ECG, that does that. But also it depends uh, on you calculating the QT interval yourself. Yeah. Do not rely on the machine. Yeah. Then the other context of an ECG where ECG could be helpful is, uh, is a heart block. Mm. 
so ecg is helpful in that case so any unexplained um fall or um episode then you need a ecg to do that the other thing is in the in the context of mimic like syncope you do need a ecg anyway yeah so it's more um in keeping with syncope mm. rather than epilepsy mm. uh, and that is what we are trying to rule out because uh, you know you can do something about that mm. and also which specialty to tap on <laughs> so so not to bother you with this one <laughs> yeah. yeah don't bother neurologists with syncope <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um I think and uh, alongside that there's also um checking for electrolyte. I think we do a some of these um investigations but the uh, yield of these investigation is often quite poor mm. but because we have been doing it I think it is reassuring for a lot of people that these are normal. Yeah. Um the um electrolyte related um to an event such as a seizure could be calcium magnesium um low sodium mm. yes uh, and sometimes you do get these um, yeah. um so it should be done um because you know you it might actually give you a clue as to which way which uh, way to investigate further yeah um some of the brain uh, events are in a sick child could be related to a low sodium because of a variety of other causes. Okay. Okay, so sodium, calcium, magnesium are essential because they can give rise to a brain manifestation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um and finally just going back to what you said about history being, you know, the key element. I think there were a lot of seizure types I've seen where the history was was the factor that helped us determine whether it was an actual seizure or yeah. whether this was another event. Yeah. So I'm just going to throw some some possible causes of these episodes as at you and what do you, what would you say would be the determining factors in the history that would lead you to one diagnosis or the other so um a, a common thing i've seen is um reflex anoxic attack so usually these are episodes in which children stop breathing and they are kind of related to some brain stem event usually preceded by a um painful stimulus you can have few twitches um after the episode has started and it can be quite frightening because uh, the ch- child can go pale or can go blue mm. um and they do stop breathing but um there is unfortunately nothing much we can do as clinicians or as parents to change the course of that event thankfully um children grow out of it well that's good to know and then I th- we touched upon this one earlier but then there are um febrile seizures yes. or febrile convulsions yes. however you want to term it yes So febrile convulsions are um unique to children um so um usually i think um between 1 to 5 years um can be a bit earlier also these are episodes of seizures which are in the context of a growing brain or developing brain so you don't see them in adults um most of them majority of them are quite benign in the sense that you will have few of these episodes that do not affect your development and do not um give rise to epilepsy in future but you have to then make sure that these are um simple febrile seizures because then you come across atypical febrile seizures which do have some uh, long term issues right 
okay um, now febrile seizures are, are a discussion on their own actually so I would probably think about doing a febrile seizure talk Fine, we'll do a separate yeah. febrile seizure because they probably are. They're probably one yeah. the most common, the commonest. They are the commonest one, yes. Yeah. No, they, but the, the other thing is, you know, there are some genetic causes now. Oh, wow. So, um, genetic epilepsy and febrile seizure plus. Mm. And so that's why I'm saying. So, so watch this space. Yeah, watch this space. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I suppose febrile seizure is, is a quite interesting cause because actually it is not part of the epilepsy as we see it but mm. it is one of the most common things you will see in in, in cau or any yeah um, department so we can discuss it very quickly but yeah. these are kind of parasomnias we talk about mm. um, so most of the um episodes which you know sleep awakening you can have um, nightmares you can have um, uh, sleepwalking uh, all these episodes um, are brought on um, by parents uh, and, and then you have to decide whether these are related to seizures or not because sleep also makes your brain likely to have fits um, mm. and seizures. So um, I think, again, the history is important um, as to what happened, what time in the night did these happen. Um, but uh, yes, but these are quite benign the the three i mentioned initially mm. the nightmares sleepwalking sleep awakening mm. there are some other sleep related problems such as narcolepsy which is uh, not epilepsy but a sleep disorder it is not so benign mm. okay very related to narcolepsy is cataplexy which is um, loss of tone because of uh, brought on by emotional causes such as laughing uh, <laughs> and joking. So um, there are videos um, of people um, laughing and then basically falling over uh, completely um, awake and, and with it, but they just can't control. It's a motor phenomenon. Sure. Okay. But again, rare. Mm. Okay. So these are quite good to discuss, but you will probably not never see them. Yeah. Yeah. But they're interesting <laughs> cases, aren't they? I think the last one I'll mention, because I think then we're going to be firmly in, heading into the realms of um, actual epilepsy yeah. syndromes then, is um, one that I only came across f across when I did the PET1 course, which is like yeah. um, self-gratification episodes yeah. in really young young infants. Yes. So it's very common and it starts very early. So yeah. it's not nothing to do with teenage. Yeah, yeah, all. yeah. <laughs> they were very young in the um, sample yeah. videos that we yeah. So there are young children who have these episodes of self-gratification. The context is important. Mm. And if you have seen those videos in, in PET1 courses, they're usually always sitting up uh, and either watching TV, uh, usually in a high chair. Mm. Um, and uh, you can see that they are, um, if you can visualize, uh, um, they are probably... Um, Rhythmically gesticulating. Rhythmically gesticulating <laughs> and uh, lost in their own words. So yeah. one of the um, words to describe it is pie in the sky hmm. um, episodes. Um, okay. Okay. So they're watching a pie in the sky. Right. right. The other um, common um, context is in a car seat. <laughs> that was the video, I remember. Yes. Uh, the video was a car seat child. So that's... Um, yeah, those are quite interesting and sometimes quite difficult, actually. 
Hmm. We have not discussed ticks and That's uh, true we haven't discussed it. Which are quite common ticks, tourettes and um movement disorders hmm. um which are very common in children and can be confused with uh, epilepsy. So I would encourage again for people to have a look uh, and attend a pet one course. Yeah. But um you know did you find that pet one course interesting and in, in I thought it was really good. I I uh, it was in Bridgend. Yeah. Um this was I was this was 3 years ago I think yeah. I went so I probably needed a bit of a refresher but I thought it was really good. It is, it is quite good because I think one thing which we worry about in any of these uh, episodes uh, is that am I missing a seizure and actually what you realize is that in the whole churn of epilepsy and non epileptic attacks um seizure is quite a is one of those episodes rather than you know the episode we always worry about the worst case scenario yeah. whereas there are other explanation of these things so as you said initially you should always rule out other causes and then make a diagnosis seizure usually in this uh, country is not going to kill you mm. um, um and uh, short act short episodes self limiting is do not have long term effect on health mm. so we can take a time yeah exactly and plus once the diagnosis is made yeah. it has its own unfortunate stigmas attached there are lots of things you have to discuss before you make a diagnosis and also after you make a diagnosis how do you support mm. the family um what is the effect on school um wider community driving um driving for the older kids for teenagers yes it's it's very important for them why am i different and have these things um rather than my brother who doesn't um another friends of mine school trips mm. uh, sleepovers swimming lessons swimming lessons yeah so all those things you know how much do you want to supervise you don't want them to be um cotton wooled uh, but you do want to put some kind of uh, safety mechanisms in it mm. it's usually quite sensible measures but making a diagnosis is not the end of it yeah I just want to say so you mentioned pets one a yeah. few times very yeah, yeah, yeah. well very well plugged. Um, <laughs> are there any other resources that would be helpful for trainees who are interested in learning more about epilepsy and epilepsy so, syndromes? Yes, so some of the websites we always ask our um, parents to look at is epilepsy.org website, mm-hmm. epilepsy.org.uk. Then children who we think are having syncope um they should be seeing the stars website which is the syncope trust and reflex anoxic seizure website um and how what's the web address for that so web address is uh so the web address is heartrhythmalliance.org.uk/stars yeah maybe just google stars would be easier <laughs> <laughs> but epilepsy action is quite quite informative um and there is a section in professionals for professional help and if you want to look at specific condition they have um, articles written by eminent um, neurologists in that um so i would certainly recommend that um you can go and talk to epilepsy nurses in a, your hospital they are quite a good source for um, 
uh, education and for general reassurance and and ask them exactly what they say to the to the parents and children um they see so i think that will be um a good learning exercise if you can spare the time um some of the hospitals not all have a first seizure clinic um which um is quite helpful because uh, if you look at the uh, outcome um of first seizure clinic most of the children who they see turn out not to have epilepsy so that's also a learning point as well as uh, enables you to be sure that most likely you have to find another cause for these events so i would encourage um all the trainees to attend those um uh, epilepsy nurses as well as epilepsy first aid clinics if you have that resource and if it's going to be a while until your next um until you get a chance to get onto a pet course while getting ready to have this chat um there's a great article on the BMJ practical neurology by um Dr Phil Smith called Epilepsy Mimics Borderland and Chameleons and he happens to be one of the consultants here in Cardiff but it was a very good article though mainly more aimed at adults than the pediatric population yes i think uh, that we were looking at it as we were uh, chatting and uh, he is a great teacher um you can learn a lot from him anyway but i think it's a very exhaustive list of uh, the mimics of epilepsy in this uh, article obviously is not um touched on the infantile causes but i suppose we can certainly look at them at a later date but to start with this um article is quite great excellent well thank you very much for your time dr saxena have you got any finishing thoughts or finishing remarks um but yeah so epilepsy i do enjoy working with um making the di- the process going for childhood epilepsy the process of trying to make a diagnosis taking the family through it um and treating them um and trying to manage their epilepsy with uh, the hope that they will probably grow out of it is quite interesting to me um and the fact that you have to use your clinical skills mm-hmm. rather than rely on a lab investigation to be sure about that um is an added bonus yeah though if you are a researcher and you came across the lab test that did it for us you'd be in millions that will be fun <laughs> yes <coughs> we we can only try yeah lovely thank you very much for your time dr saxena we look forward to hearing from you again thank you anrag and asim so just to go over briefly what they spoke about they spoke about what is epilepsy how common is epilepsy the epilepsy mimic eegs ct scans or mri scans the importance of looking for neurocutaneous or vascular abnormalities the tests involved around investigating epilepsy reflex anoxic attacks febrile convulsions parasomnias and self gratification and on the website www.dragonbitespodcast.com you'll find the links to the website they discussed thank you for listening to dragonbites <laughs>